Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. I want to talk to you for just a minute, uh, and we're going to start it off in just a second with a video, because we have, this is a month of great news. Easter was great news. It was a great time together. We've got some great news that we're going to be able to announce two weeks from now, and we've got great news we're going to be able to talk about three weeks from now. Today, we're going to talk about one, and there's two of the things that are happening this month that I honestly think are uh, two of the biggest opportunities for the gospel that I've seen in my lifetime. And those of you who know me, uh, know me well, when I do numbers, if I can pick pick a more conservative number, I'm going to do it. I don't try to oversell things. But honestly, these two opportunities we have before us are, I think, two of the biggest opportunities of the gospel. One is local here, and one is international that you'll hear about on May 2nd. And I'm thrilled to be able to talk about those this month. But let's start by listening to this video. It'll introduce the one for today. Seven years ago, my wife came home and she basically said this. Our school is going to start a release program that allows kids to study the Bible during school hours. And I said, no way, you can't do that. field. However, I couldn't actually spell out the gospel message to them. Kids can study the Bible during school hours. It has to meet three criteria. One, it has to be volunteer. Two, the cost has to be paid for with private dollars. Third, it has to be off school property. You meet those three criteria, any child has the opportunity to study the Bible. to think about all the students who could actually hear the gospel story as they're released from the public school setting into a facility like this. It's a joy to them to learn the Bible. It helps them to take it to the community, to the school, to their families. Austin came two years ago as a first grader. He went home and he said, Mom and Dad, we got to go to church. Mom and Dad, let's go to church. They ended up coming to my church and they stayed. They've been in our church for about two and a half years now, and the mom just recently got baptized and gave a great testimony, and the church applauded and cheered. It just makes me feel happy that people are learning more and more about God. some of the stuff that's going on in the world today. I don't go to church, so this is kind of my church. When I was younger, I didn't really have a thought of God and who He was, so now I have a deeper love for Him. It is so rewarding. Um, the time that you can put in, the, the money that you're willing to donate to something like this, you're changing lives. You're changing hearts. Uh, 
America look like if every church in America said we are going to go into our public school district, we are going to commit the time, the resources, the money, what would this nation look like if we all got together and said we're going to do this? with me for just a second the difference that this could make in the life of our nation, in the life of our children and youth. This is an opportunity that some fantastic Christian leaders a couple years ago discovered hidden in the law of the federal law and the state law that allows this to happen. And we at New Albany schools get to be the first suburban school doing this. They've piloted it in about eight to ten schools so far and they've been shocked that the average percent of students who sign up for this is between 70 and 90 percent of the students in every school. Yeah. And you know as well as I know, that means there's lots of kids who come from unchurched homes who don't have any concept of Christian faith who are actually being exposed accurately, not inaccurately like so many of the schools do and the colleges do, but accurately to what the gospel actually is, what Christianity really is. So we, along with a number of other churches in this area, are partnering together to help get this New Albany campus off the ground. I am hoping and praying that we can do the same in Westerville, in Gahanna, in Big Walnut, in Reynoldsburg, where Dave is from, and everywhere all over this nation. I think we stand at a, a moment in the American church right now where this could be the greatest gospel opportunity of our generation and of the church in America. So I'm asking unabashedly for us as a church to get behind this. We can get behind it in a number of ways. We can get behind it in giving. You can either give directly to LifeWise or you can give extra to us and we'll send it to them and designate it towards them. I'm asking you to consider volunteering. If your children are in the New Albany schools, first through third grade is where we're start, where it's starting off, and it's planning on being expanded eventually all the way through high school. But if you're first through, if you have first through third graders in the New Albany system, sign them up, and have them invite all of their friends to sign up and go there with them as well. This is a great opportunity to invite and have kids get exposed to the gospel. Again, I'm so thrilled because I think this is a, this is a momentous opportunity for us. I'm also just going to let you know again, we have a, a, a momentous opportunity of similar magnitude in an overseas mission field we're going to be talking about later this month that I'm going to also ask you to get behind. But I want us as a church to pray, and I want us as a church to get behind this. I want us to get behind both of them because I think we're, we're poised for two major culture-changing, nation-changing opportunities that we get to be a part of. And I don't think you can overstate that in this setting. So, I've also been really looking forward to this day because uh, Dave Diani is coming to uh, be with us as well. Come on up, Dave. Dave uh, has been a leader of my pastor's group uh, or in my pastor's group for 10, 12 years now. I love the man. He's wise. He's a great friend. 
He's a proven leader. I know he's spoken here before and, and, and really blessed us. And he's got a great word for us this morning. And, and I think as he starts to speak, you're going to see that we didn't know when he was coming that, that LifeWise was also coming. And I think the two really dovetail together. By the way, meet Nicole and Crystal. Stand up over here. If you have any questions yeah. about LifeWise, after service, they'll be in the lobby. Please go talk to them. Dave, take it away. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Ross, for inviting me. It's always a, it's a pleasure being here. This really is a great church. And just a few FYIs before I get started. You know, you know he's talking about groups. And uh, just, just get to kind of grab this, but there's a difference between this being your church and your church family. And I think what he was talking about, when you get involved in groups, it becomes church family. I just retired from our church, been there 40-plus years. People ask me, am I going to stay? And I said, well, of course, this is my church family. This is my family, so make it your family. Yeah, I really believe the small groups help a lot. And then just an FYI for these two ladies, so I didn't know they were going to be here today, but uh as a young pastor, I, I did a list of what I call bucket list things that I wanted to do my life before I died. And one of them was get the Bible in public schools because I came across curriculum and I really, really tried 20-something years ago, just fell flat on my face and kind of gave it up. But when I saw pastor uh, put something in the email and the ladies are here, I'm telling you, this is awesome. This is really awesome. And I would agree with you, Ross. This is prime opportunity. So please, as a church, jump on board. I'm going to do our best to get it going in Reynoldsburg. So really good material there. So anyway, talk a little bit about what's going on. So I ran into some people I hadn't seen in years and we got to talking and stuff. And, and then one of the people, one of the people said to me, you know, Pastor Dave, we haven't seen you in years, but I still hear your voice in my head. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny, but I started thinking, you know, what? I started thinking, what kind of voices do I hear in my head? And so this morning, I want to talk about being a voice in somebody's head. I'm, I'm, this is really, really important to me, and I pray to God that you take this home and you you own this because this this will this will give your life purpose and meaning Th- throughout your life. You'll have purpose and meaning. So. Uh, years ago, when I was uh, in high school, probably just a couple years ago, but I was a freshman, and uh, I was trying out for football, and I wanted to play a certain position, and the coach decided uh, to move me part of, the way, part of the way through the season. He put me on a different position, and I did not like that. I wanted to play. Of course, I knew more than the coach, right? And uh, we were butting heads, and so I just quit. I, I'm done with this, you know, so I quit. But I really wanted to play football, so the next year... Uh, you move into a sophomore year, you're JV, junior varsity. I had new coaches. I decide I'm going to go out again. I go out again. I try for this position. And lo and behold, that coach decides he's going to put me on another position. And now I'm butting heads with him and I'm not happy. And so I'm coming home from practice one day and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm done with this. I quit. I just quit. I, I don't need this in my life. And I'm sitting on a rock and I remember, I, I see this in my mind. I see this and I'm sitting on a rock and I'm thinking, I'm quitting. All of a sudden, I hear a voice in my head. And the voice says, Dave, if you quit now, this is going to become a habit in your life. And this will wreck you. I mean, that just pierced my heart, you know. I thought, whoa, that's right. I, I'm not quitting. 
So I made a decision right then and there. I'm not quitting, and I stuck it out. And of course, you all know the rest is history. I became a famous NFL football player, won many Super Bowls, Hall of Famer, rich and famous. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not even close. I barely made the team. But anyway, I learned the lesson. You don't quit. But it was because of a voice in my head. And then I started thinking that voice, you know, that voice in my head, you know what? It sounded a lot like my dad's voice. And then I started thinking, oh, you know, I remember just a few years prior to that, my dad was in construction, my family's still in home building, my dad wanted me to be a builder, I did not want to be a builder. Really, from a child, all I ever wanted to do was be a pastor. But, but my family, my grandfather had been in building forever. Dad's going to teach me how to frame. So he's teaching me how to frame up a basement. And we're going to build rooms and stuff. And he's showing me how to do the door jam, how to do rough openings. He's showing me how to do the corner. I'm not paying attention because I've got other things on my mind. He leaves. I start framing it up. I get to the corner. I cannot figure it out. I can't remember how to put the two-by-fours in such a way that you catch the drywall and everything. So I try for a few minutes. Forget this, man. I quit. I go out and start playing with my friends. Dad comes home in the evening, goes downstairs. Dave, he calls me in. What the heck happened here? I said, Dad, I tried. I, I just couldn't figure it out. And this was one of those moments where Dad said, psh, psh, look at me, man. Son, he said, when you face problems in your life, he goes, you don't quit. That'll become a habit. And that will wreck your life. And that got in my head. And when I was being challenged in that football time, I realized, you don't quit. And this thing has stuck with me my whole life. When I'm facing challenges and stuff, you just hear voices in your head. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I have a confession to make here. I, I, I want to be vulnerable. Pastor, this is a safe, safe place here? All right. What's shared here stays here, that kind of stuff, you know? I hear lots of voices in my head. <laughs> I hear lots of voices in my head. I hear my dad's voice. I hear my mom's voice. Mom used to always say, if you can't say anything nice, do not say anything at all. I hear it. I hear it in my head. I hear, I hear teachers' voices. I hear coaches' voices. I hear my older siblings' voices. I hear my wife's voice. I mean, you got, does anybody hear, hear voices in your head? You guys hear voices every now and then when you're facing difficulty. You hear that? You hear dad's voice. You hear mom's voice. You hear coach's voice. You hear things like, you can do this. Come on, man. Or, or you know, you're really good at that. I, I noticed, you, you, you know, that's, I saw how you played that instrument. I saw how you helped that person. I'm with you. I got your back. If you got friends, you know, I got your back. You know, I love you. You, you hear those voices in your head and they, they stay there for some reason. You know, it's really crazy. You can hear voices in your head from people who've long since passed. And that's powerful. That's impact. That's influence. And I want to read a passage to you that, that dramatically has affected my life and driven me for years. It's found in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to read it to you. It's just Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter people call the Hall of Fame chapter. It's about all these great people and all these great things they did and stuff. But there's this one passage that just jumps out at me. So it's in chapter 11. I'll read it to you. It's in Verse 4, it says, By faith, 
Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. Now listen to this. And through it, he, being dead, still speaks. Now think about this. The writer of Hebrews is writing about Abel. At the time he wrote this, Abel had been dead 4,000 years. The writer in Hebrews is saying, I hear his voice in my head 4,000 years later. Now, just a little background. Remember the story of Cain and Abel. The story of Cain and Abel, they're the two sons of Adam and Eve. And the story in the book of Genesis tells us as they came into adulthood, they offered sacrifices to God. Abel offers a sacrifice of an animal. And Cain offers a sacrifice of the harvest, some grain offering. And in the process, the Bible tells us, God says to Abel, I accept your sacrifice. And God says to Cain, I reject your sacrifice. Now, if you're like me, you're looking in there and you're going, what did he do wrong? It doesn't say. It just says, God says, yes, no. Now, now you do find out later so some people have said that the reason he rejected Cain's sacrifice was because it was a grain offering and the reason he accepted Abel's sacrifice was because it was an animal shedding blood. But I don't really think that's why he rejected Cain's sacrifice. The reason I don't think that's true is because when God set up the Mosaic law, in the law he established different sacrifices and in those sacrifices he talks about grain offerings and harvest offerings. So, so there's nothing wrong with a grain offering. There must have been something else. And here's, here's what I think the writer is saying. Here's what he hears in his ears what Abel was saying. Abel was saying, it is possible to do the right thing the wrong way. Cain and Abel both did the right thing. They both came to God. They both honored God. They both offered sacrifice. They both did the right thing. But somewhere, something was wrong in Cain's heart and he did the right thing, but he did it the wrong way. And as a result, God rejected it. And then you see, all of a sudden, it manifests Cain's heart's really not in a good place and he gets so mad, he kills his brother Abel so we can see. Yes, he was doing the right thing, but he did it the wrong way. And this voice of Abel is ringing for 4,000 years. It's Actually, it's found all the way through Scripture. I believe... I believe that Abel's voice even got into Jesus' head. Think about this. Jesus tells parables, and in his parables, often there's this underlying theme, you can do the right thing the wrong way. Here's one of the parables. He talks, tells a story of two men who go to pray, the Pharisee and the sinners, the sinner. They both did the right thing. They both went to church. They both went to pray. But what happened? One did the right thing the wrong way. One did the right thing the right way. It's possible to do the right thing the wrong way. Jesus told another parable, two men build a house. It's a good idea, build a house. One built it on sand, one built it on a rock, one did it the right way, one did it the wrong way. It's possible to do the right thing the wrong way. I, I'm driven by this because this is so dangerous. If you don't understand this, sometimes we justify 
doing the right thing and doing it the wrong way. And we say, well, I did the right thing. Like you can correct somebody who's doing something wrong, but you can do it the wrong way. You can do it condescending. You can do it with anger in your heart. You may have done the right thing, but you did it the wrong way. It doesn't work. You can serve people. That's the right thing, but you can do it the wrong way. You can give, but you can do it in hopes that you get some respect or recognition. You can do it the wrong way. This is what Abel was saying. He became a voice, and he's a voice today. I hear his voice in my head. Abel's voice is in my head. It it has so driven me that I actually wrote this little booklet. I'm not here to promote books or anything like that, but I wrote this booklet. It's called Right Thing, Wrong Way. And it's just a collection of stories in the Bible that people did the right thing, but they did it the wrong way. And if you do the right thing the wrong way, it's unacceptable. But God, God wants us to understand that we can make an impact if we, if we become a voice in somebody's head. And, and here's the thing. You can actually be a voice in somebody's head without actually speaking. You can become a voice in somebody's head by the way you live your life. And I want to I read one more passage and we'll talk some more about this. But this is a passage found in 1 Thessalonians. It's a letter Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, a church he had started. And he's writing in this letter, he's telling them, you guys have become a voice in people's heads all over the area, all over Asia. People hear you. And you're in their head. I'll read this passage to you. I'll I'll start in verse 2, but the two verses I'm interested in are verse 7 and 8. But it says, Paul says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with much joy. Now listen to verse 7 and 8. You became examples to all in Macedonia and Archaea who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. People hear your voice in their head. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that you do not need to say anything. These people became a voice in other people's heads who didn't even know them. How did they do that? Paul says, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. He's talking about how they lived their Christian life. Those three are actually called the Holy Trinity of Christian living. And if you want to be a voice in somebody's head and you think, well, I'm not the best speaker, you can be a voice in somebody's head by having the Holy Trinity in your life, a work of faith. What Paul was saying is you took the gospel that we preached and you did something. You did some work, served. You got involved in helping people. And I tell you, if you want to be a voice in people's heads, You just need to learn how to serve. Find a place to serve. I I can only tell you, you can only grow so far in your Christian faith with your knowledge and gaining knowledge. and It stops until you start serving. Then when you start serving, it grows. But your work of faith becomes a voice in other people's heads. You serve any place, anywhere. Find a place. 
anywhere. Just find a place. And then he says, your labor of love, that's talking about they did the right thing the right way. They did it with love and respect toward those they served. They were not condescending. They were not proud, arrogant. They loved. They loved the people they served. Do the work of faith. Serve people. Do it as a labor of love. And then the third one was patience of hope. He's just talking about understanding that everything is in God's timing. So you're not looking for immediate results. When you're serving people, you understand people are a work in progress. They may change, they may not change, but I'm serving them because I love them. I I don't have an ulterior motive. I love them. It's a labor of love. And Paul says, because of this, your voice is heard everywhere. You can be a voice in people's heads without even speaking. But I'm going to share with you one more thing as we wrap this up. Here is a real important way to be a voice in people's heads, and that is to recognize your sphere of influence. Everybody has a sphere of influence. I'm not just talking about your circle. You, you have an immediate circle, like and, and obvious things, like if you're a dad and a mom, you have influence over your children. If you're a grandparent, you have influence over your grandchildren. That's the stage I'm in in my life, and I am embracing it. I'm going to be a voice in my grandchildren's head. If you're an older sibling, your younger siblings look up to you. You know, there's the, if you're a teacher or a coach, you, you realize you have this opportunity to be a voice. But there's one other place I think a lot of Christians don't understand. It's recognizing your sphere of influence by understanding who looks up to you, who has, who respects you. Not so, now listen to this, it's not so much because you know so much, it's not because you're cool, it's just your position. So like, this is what I've told high school kids. If you're in high school, do you realize the junior high kids and the elementary kids think you're the coolest person on the earth? Not, not because you're so smart. You're just cool because you're a high school person. They'll listen to you. You could be a voice in their head. If you're in college, high school kids look up to you. Take advantage of that opportunity. If you have a career job, college kids look up to you. It goes all the way up. If you're married, if you're newly married, and, and if you've been married for a bunch of years, and you're, you know, people who are newly married look up to you. It's just recognizing it isn't about me. It's understanding where's my sphere of influence? Who, who is looking up to me because of my position and embracing it and speaking life into that? It is a powerful opportunity. It will give your life purpose and meaning all the way through your life. You become intentional about who can I, whose head can I be a voice in? That's all I, I want to be a voice in your head. <laughs> I, 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 I believe this. I'm hoping if I see any of you a year from now or two years from now or three years from now, you say to me, Pastor, I hear your voice in my head. I'll think, yeah. Right on. I, I did this sermon one time called um, How to Preach the Gospel. And it's out of Acts 2.38. Uh, Peter said, uh, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So the sermon was Acts 2.38. And what I did is I had an axe and I whipped out 238s. <laughs> so first I slammed the axe down and then I whipped out 238s, you know, and I said... You'll never forget how to preach the gospel. It's Acts 2.38. Well, about five years later, I'm in the park. Sure enough, some guy, Pastor Dave. I go, yeah. He goes, Acts 2.38, like that. He goes, Acts 2. I go, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. You know, so, so, but here's the thing, man. Embrace this. Be a voice in somebody's head. 
It is so powerful. It is a way to advance the kingdom of God. And it really does give you purpose in your life. So let me just close in prayer here. Father, I thank you that, well, that we can be a voice in somebody's head. And I pray that, that we can be the voice of encouragement, the voice of life, the voice of guidance, the voice of truth. God, I pray that everyone here begins to see their, their opportunities, their sphere of influence. What, where are they at and what stage in life are they at and who can they influence and where can they serve, God, that, that they begin to embrace this. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to represent you. And just as we close in prayer, I just want to take a, a minute here. I, I just wonder if there might be somebody here who might be hearing a voice in their head and it might not be a coach, a dad, a mom, a teacher. It might be the Holy Spirit because that's a voice you do want to learn how to listen to. But it may be the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now this morning. And I wonder if there's some people here this morning that God is saying through the Holy Spirit, it's time. It's time. It's time for you. You know, maybe you're sitting on the fence. You know, maybe you've been coming to church here for a day, a week, a month, a year. But, but, there needs to be a place and a time where you say, I'm, I'm going in. I'm surrendering my whole life. 100%. I want in. I want to be a part. I just wonder this morning if anyone is sitting here and, and you feel like the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you, that voice that you're hearing in your head right now, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. And if you're hearing that voice, this is a chance for you to respond and say, yes, now. Not tomorrow, not next week. Now, I want to respond. So I'm going to pray. I'm just going to ask, uh, as I pray, when I get to the place where I want to ask for you to make that decision, decision, I'm going to say, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. The reason I'm asking you to raise your hand is because I think there needs to be some action. And, and gosh, if all places, you should be able to be able to make a confession should be in a church. But I just want to give an opportunity. If you're sitting here and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, that voice in your head right now is the Holy Spirit, please respond. So, Father, right now by your Holy Spirit, just come. Be, be the voice we need to hear right now, Holy Spirit. Be the voice. Father, if you're talking to some right now and you're saying, today, come. Come unto me, come. Surrender your life. It's time, God, they'd hear that voice. Be loud. Drive out any distractions right now, Holy Spirit. Just come. If you, if you sense I'm speaking to you, would you just do me a favor? Just raise your hand right now. And say, just hold it up. Say, Pastor Dave, I, I want to I I make that decision. It's my time today. Just hold it up. I'm going to pray for you. God's tugging at your heart. I see, I see two hands right over here. Now, don't, don't hold them up halfway. Hold them up. Hold them up. I, I want to go all the way. God's going to honor you. God's going to honor you. Two hands right here. Come on. Come on. Are you hearing that voice? If you are, that's the Holy Spirit. Say yes. Say yes. Hold your hand up. Yes. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on. 
Anybody else here this morning? Let me see. Right there? For real? All right, man. Come on. Come on. This is your time. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. Today, Jesus is saying, come unto me. Anybody else? One last time. All right, still, I see two hands up. I see three hands up. All right, come on, man. Good for you. Good for you. Come on. Become a part of the kingdom of God, man. This is, this is what life is about. Okay, let's do this. I'm going to pray the three hands that are up. Just, let's just all pray this out loud together. Real simple prayer. But I believe the Holy Spirit's going to honor it. And then after the service, if you would, I'd, I'll be up here. I'd love to talk with you just to see what's going on. Help you, help you in this process. But let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, let's all say it together out loud. Jesus, I surrender my life right now. This is my time. I'm coming to you. Please forgive me of all my sins. Make me the person you ordained for me to be. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Again, we'd love to talk with you after the service. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.